Hello and welcome to Just One Corneto, a Greenup Morton podcast. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All of our panellists appear in a personal capacity and as such, any views expressed are personal to them. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. This is an important message from the Tale of the Bank Credit Union. Remember that we are here for you. We share this message often because it's important. Don't get hooked in by loan sharks. Avoid the pitfall of debt solutions. Stop, take a breath and consider your option. Tale of the Bank Credit Union are Inverclyde's credit union. We are non-profit making and put our members first. Call us for a confidential chat before falling into the trap of high rate lenders or debt solutions that aren't right for you. Contact us via creditunioninverclyde.com by phone on 01475 734 655 or via our social media feeds and see how Inverclyde's credit union can support you to save, borrow and plan for tomorrow. Hello and welcome to another season of the Just One Carneto podcast. So we're back. Tonight we'll be talking about the, the League Cup campaign that has just been, taking a little look into the Championship season to follow. Just before we get into that, obviously we'll react to the, the second round draw. So joining me for this one, we have Louise Rogers. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. It's good to have some sort of competitive football back now that the sort of pre-season slash League Cup's over. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the league starting next week now. Brilliant. Craig Dunning, how are we? I'm good. Cheers, Dean. Yourself? Aye, brilliant. Um, all the better for spending some time in the esteemed Mr Coyle's company on Saturday. So how are you, <laughs> Mr Coyle? Yes, I'm absolutely fine. And yes, that was a eminently pleasant way to spend a Saturday. They did the pine, pine pint hospitality with with friends, and then obviously with yourselves, uh, and briefly Mr Dunning uh, on, on Saturday. So it was, uh, it was a it was a good day. It was an enjoyable wee day, and well done to the club for 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 for, for putting on the the um, the hospitality that they did. Um, great wee idea. Fair play to them. Yeah, I think the I think the, the commercial team all have historically struggled with with matches like that. In terms, of I don't think there's the same appeal. So it's it's good to see them trying things like that, and I think it's. Maybe the case that in years gone by, those sort of ideas didn't see any uptake, but just starting to see it now, and it is. It's good to see the club trying these things. So, just before we get into it, obviously, been drawn at Ibrox away to Rangers in the, the second round of the League oh, Cup. Sorry. What did you make of that one, Craig? Uh, look, um, from a fan's perspective, I always want the easiest draw possible in every cup competition. I want to get as far as possible in the cups, and if that um, involves completely avoiding Premier League teams on the way, then good. However, I... I I do see the financial argument. I mean, my, my counterpoint to the financial argument is if you get an easy draw and get to a semi-final as a result of it, then you make more money than getting Rangers or Celtic away at the first opportunity anyway. However, I look, um, I get that this draw has been made in August. Um, it means that we, well, in July rather than the tie will be in August. <laughs> um, but yeah, it ensures that we get that money in before the end of the before the close of the transfer window. So, aye, look, if it's going to mean another two or three players signed, then aye, good. But yes, had I been given the choice, I'd have taken literally any other tie other than Celtic away and maybe Motherwell away. I'm still more scared of Motherwell than I am of Celtic. But <laughs> yes, that's possibly scar tissue coming back up. But yeah, you fancy a wee, a wee trip to Ibrox, Louise? What do you think my chances are of, of doing the job up there? Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like, obviously, uh, as Craig says, like you kind of want the easy draw and then you want to get the kind of big guns in the next round. But obviously, Doogie's been kind of vocal about budgets and things like that. So 
with a draw like this, we are going to get plenty of kind of revenue in and things. And, um, you know, kind of Rangers are a new team that we don't know how they're going to be this season. So we're probably getting them at a good sort of point in the season where they're maybe still gelling. And, I mean, we've been to the kind of big guns before and beat them. So obviously we will go into the game kind of fairly confident. But, um, yeah, we just kind of need to see what's happening and hopefully we get a good result out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think... A very kind of fair and even-handed summation from Craig there where there are upsides and downsides, obviously given what we've heard from Dougie in terms of budgets. Yeah, it's obviously a, a very welcome boost at this time of the season when we're looking to kind of finalise our squad. So, yeah, happy with that element of it. And, yeah, I think we've we've obviously had one side of the, the kind of football and bucket list in Scotland. We've, we've watched Morton win at Parkhead. Aye, let's go and watch his win at Ibrox now. So... Yeah, into the League Cup, starting away a, a good few familiar faces in the, the Kilty Hearts side. You were up at that one, Craig. What was your kind of take on the, the resulting performance? Uh, aye, first half wasn't great, but look, it's the very first competitive game of the season. I think some rustiness can be forgiven. And aye, when we made the subs in the second half, I think that really changed the game. We we struggled quite a bit in the first half, just with having a focal point, I thought. Tom O'Ware was actually marking George Oakley out of the game, to be honest. And then when we when we had the switch of uh, the subs coming on and Muirhead went to centre forward, just we were getting the ball into Muirhead's chest and feet. And then with Katongo on the park, aye, their full-backs just could not cope with them at all. And aye, in the end, we for all that the first half had been poor and I thought we'd struggled to get to grips with their midfield. Uh, Tinsen and Lyon were actually probably dictating the game a bit in the first half. But... Aye, in the end, we could easily have won that more than 3-1. Tell you what, yeah, go for that. It was obviously it was a game that, that I wasn't at. Is there anything else that you want to add to that one, Louise? No, it was really just kind of much the same as what Craig said. The first half was just a bit of an on-event, but it was just a kind of typical first game of the season. Everybody's just trying to get back to normal. And the second half, when the subs came on, it, it just totally changed. And um, O'Connor was playing it right back and a couple of the crosses he kind of put in for the goals were, were great and it was good to see. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really have much more to add to that other than, other than it was actually quite nice to see Tam O'Ware getting a bit of abuse in the second half once they were up at the Morton fans. That was quite um, quite a highlight. <laughs> oh, not that we would ever condone that sort of behaviour on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> to tell you what, yeah, the kind of routine, routine 3-0 win over Stranraer the following midweek, Baird losing... And Crawford all on the score sheet. What did you make of that one, Louise? Yeah, I mean, they didn't really kind of cause us any, any trouble at all. Um, again, the sort of first half, it was just kind of a bit slow. Um, it was a nice header um, from Jack for the first goal, and that's obviously what we expect for him now. Anytime that we've got a corner and you know, we've got obviously Broadfoot, he's um, scored a couple of goals now. So we're we're kind of utilising the set pieces and um, the crosses and things as well. So it was obviously disappointing to see Jack going off injured as well. Um, losing him's a, a bit of a blow if he's going about it for a while, but it was just really a kind of routine win. And I don't think Stranraer really troubled us until towards the sort of last five, ten minutes when they had a couple of shots on goal. But other than that, it was it was quite a comfortable comfortable night. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to add to that, Alan? Aye, the the frustrating thing I, I think, as Louise said, it, it was a routine win. Uh, I, I've only seen uh, footage of the the Kelty game, but the frustrating thing about I was going to say about Beard getting injured that Louise mentioned there is the, the new dimension that 
um, Dara Connor playing out wide actually gave to her game. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, him him providing assists, um, and that was something that was different. Uh, it was a, do, do you know what I mean? That, that, that we'd not seen last season. So frustrating thing about that, unless we're bringing in another centre back as opposed to a right back. Um, that's a, that is kind of frustrating. But the, the thing is, they were all routine victories. And they were expect, well, expected victories, although we kind of go in and say these are expected victories. But last season, we lost to Clyde. We've had issues in the past. We're also looking at teams like St. Johnson and all the rest of it this season and the issues that they've had. So in terms of what you would think on paper are routine wins, they're not always routine wins, but we've kind of made them look like that, which has been really encouraging. And that was very much the case with the Stringrad game. It was, as, to use the word again, as routine as you're going to get. Um, really impressed with Stephen Boyd uh, in, in that game from my, my first kind of viewing of him um, I thought he was a lot more effective in the Stringrad game than he was on Saturday um, but I was I was impressed by my kind of first viewing in him um, I did a couple of wee reservations about certain things but I'll maybe leave that until we maybe go on and speak about the Edinburgh game but it was just around our personnel and our starting lineups and when we look better Um and I think that's something that we might need to look at going forward. Who's who's going to actually play in the forward positions? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I actually thought Strunrad looked pretty defensively compact, and I think mm-hmm. they frustrated us, especially the kind of first 20, 25 minutes. They played with that kind of back five, back four that then swung into a back five if we were in a wide area. And I actually thought they, they nullified us quite well in the early stages with then, obviously, Baird gets the goal, and, and that changes the complete the complexion of the game, I kind of see it, I think I see it too much on here, but a, another example of, you know, goals changing games and, but it was that that first kind of 20 minutes and you were watching it and you were going, it was a combination of I thought Strenard looked very compact and very, very sound defensively I, I still don't think we're quite at it in the final third mm-hmm. in terms of sharpness, decision making I think that's been probably the recurring theme, if we were to look at the, the kind of negatives, I think that's probably the recurring negative through the the group campaign of the League Cup is that it isn't quite clicking for us in the final third yet, but I think it will. I think you look at the players we've got, yeah, I think it will come. Obviously, the, the more match time that these guys get under their belt, the, the better. So, tell you what, it's then up to Ross County and maybe a case of what could have been, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, much as Kelty probably walked away from the first half against us, saying we should have been more than 1-0 up there, uh, yeah, we certainly had the same thing at Ross County. Had we been 3-0 up at half-time in that game, I don't think it would, <laughs> would have flattered us. Uh, we were very, very good. And um, aye, we just didn't convert that uh, that pressure into into chances enough, really. Um, it's not that we were particularly profligate in attack. It was just that we yeah, we didn't quite create enough with the amount of the ball we had in their half. And aye, then they improved in the second half as you as you would have expected them to because, you know, they were as poor as we were good in the first half, I'd have said. And uh, aye, it was uh, two really disappointing goals we lost. Um, again, you can question how early we are in the season. Is there a bit of rustiness in, in both cases, particularly the second goal? But aye, I think for all that, it was disappointing when there's the possibility that it could have ended up costing us the game. Uh, sorry, it could have ended up costing us qualification from the group. I think the fact we've ended up going through anyway, you can be largely positive about well, you know, we've gone away to a Premier League team, tough place to go, and we've been the better team comfortably for the first 45 minutes. I think there's a lot to be positive about in an attacking sense from, from that 45 minutes. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, yeah, you do have to credit 
I think how hard working I think you look a special mention I think definitely has to go to Cammy Blues obviously being utilised at right back going away to a Premiership team having never played a played at right back certainly at this level before and I thought he was one of the best players on the park I think him and Waters at fullback were both very very good and it was it was just there was that frustration of we did we dominated the midfield we had more of the ball we had more territory and it was it was the lack of chances that we carved out with that and the chances that we did carve out we didn't take that that was obviously the big frustration and yeah when you've got players of the quality like Simon Murray at the other end of the park given the mistakes that we've made yeah it was always going to happen and that's I think it probably underlines the difference between the first tier and the second tier and that if we are play if we have that sort of second half performance against the championship opposition, there's a good chance that we probably still go over the line. But Ross County rallied the second half and as unfortunate as it is, if you don't take your chances and you make those defensive errors we can't grumble too much. Aye, if I could come back in there just mentioning Cameron Blues, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, he does deserve credit and that doesn't just apply to that Ross County game. I think he's been excellent in all four games so far, actually. And the thing about that performance at right back at Ross County was quite often when you see a player move out of position and they have a decent game, it's very qualified praise they get of, oh, they're doing well for a central midfielder playing at right back. Blues did just have a great game. If any natural right back had put in that performance, yeah. you'd have been delighted with it. And well, yeah, if that if that I, had been Grimshaw, if that had been a performance from Grimshaw last year, we would be fawning over them with the exact same level of praise. Yeah, um, which absolutely. I think speaks volumes to exactly how well Blues has done. Um, yeah, and I think I as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it's in any way a long term solution to have Blues there, but yeah, it's encouraging to know that. You know, there's every chance you're going to get a competent performance out of him if you need him there. And as as well, I would say, um, you know, ha- having mentioned the Kelty game where we struggled a bit in the first half, I thought Blues was actually holding a midfield together in that in that half. The game is probably passing Gillespie and Crawford by, but Blues was excellent. And I know we'll come on to talk about the season as a whole, but I think um, one thing that everyone has agreed on with Cameron Blues over his time at Morton, um, even his biggest critics, one of which I've been at times, um, would agree. He has incrementally improved season on season. And, okay, we're only four four games into the season. Three of them have been against teams from a lower division, so let's not get carried away. But if he improves again this season, then, aye, well, that's that's a question of, right, where actually is his ceiling then? Because... Yeah. Aye, if he's becoming a better player than he was last season again, then aye, that's a that's a very good sign. The issue we sorry, do you know? Sorry to interrupt. Right, the, based on what I saw on Saturday of him, and yes, the caveat in it with we're playing against a League One team, but not a bad League One team. Edinburgh have kind of more more than held their own when they when they played in that division. Um, the issue with Cammy Blues playing at right back in my eyes is that. It, takes away from our central midfield because we lacked him being there. Um, If you look at our squad that we've got, right, um, Grimshaw was a a preferred to be centre midfield but often get played in a full-back position. Um, If you look, as as close as you can get to him in that squad and even for last season is Cammy Blues. Grimshaw is an older, more mature player. That's almost to suggest that in two, three years down the line that uh, Cammy Blues could almost have a, a a position in a higher up squad in a premiership squad as a versatile player who's a centre midfielder who can more than capably fill in it 
right back as well. Um, what I, what I found interesting on Saturday was how kind of narrow he was playing when we were in possession of the ball. Um, I, I would hesitate to say that he was playing as an inverted full back, but yeah. um, it was almost out of possession. He was he he was kind of taking on a different role to what maybe Waters was. Um, I did think in the second half a, a wee bit that. And we're not going on to the end of the game yet, but, but there was times when there was spaces in behind that we were kind of getting caught in because because of that in possession. But um, it was I um, Cami Blues was 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 very encouraging and was definitely the standout of. <laughs> I, I, I think him, him being there detracted for midfield pretty much. Yeah, I think as well the shape and the system that we play and the style of football that Emery has imposed has implemented in this squad. I think Blues is absolutely central to it when you look at the way that we play with the ball and the energy that we want, especially when you look without the ball, when we want to go and counter-press and win the ball high up the park. Blues brings that energy into midfield that I think we were sorely lacking on Saturday. And I think that did. Blues not being in midfield was definitely detrimental to our performance on Saturday. In central areas, obviously, he did. He contributed well from right back. He got his goal, but... When you look at where the issues were with the performance on Saturday, I think if if Blues is in there, I don't know if they happen. They had a they, Edinburgh had a standout player on Saturday, uh, and it's it was probably in 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 some ways it, he he was an extremely experienced player as well, and Danny Handling, um, mm-hmm. and it was the same centre of the park that he was he was getting kind of control of things, and I think that kind of backs up what you're saying there. If Blues is in there, that's maybe not happening. Um, yeah. What was also interesting was when Alex King came on and played in that sort of deeper line role and played very in a very disciplined way, and you could see that he was being told to do that by the by the management team, not to be doing any end after he was, but he, he, he did give an energy in there, and I don't think it was a fluke that he came on after about 52 minutes and we then very kind of quickly got kind of control control of the game eh, kind of thereafter but um, a definite food for thought uh, in terms of in the longer term who's 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 going to be playing in those in those positions so I tell you what yeah we'll, we've obviously kind of touched on the Edinburgh game there what did you make of the performance on Saturday Louise I found the first half quite flat um, it was just not really it, it just felt like quite nervy and I don't know if it was because of obviously what we were all kind of wanting to happen but I kind of turned around to my nephew and I was like, this is just dead flat and everybody just seems a bit kind of, I found Gillespie, but he just seemed quite nervous and he couldn't really get his foot on the ball um, for the time he was on. So as, as Alan says, the game definitely changed once the kind of subs came on and it was just kind of a bit more lively and um, Edinburgh did have a right good few chances. Um, I was quite impressed with them because um, they are they are quite an established kind of um, League One club so they were always going to give us a hard game when you look at the scoreline you think yeah Morton must have absolutely battered them but I don't really think that was the case and um, 4-1 four, four kind of uh, I, mean, I mean in the second half we could have went on and, and scored like 10 goals it was just kind of one <laughs> of those games but um, we were just kind of glad to get it out the road and obviously it came out with the, the good outcome with everything else but I thought Robbie Crawford and I feel for the last kind of um, couple of games Robbie Crawford's been really good he's He's chipping in with the goals now. I think that's him scored in three of the four games and he assisted last week as well. So i um, been really impressed with him. But yeah, it wasn't the, the best we've ever played. And obviously Dougie kind of had a bit of a scathing post-match interview about it. But in some cases he wasn't really wrong, to be honest. 
it was she she'd been in the stand, uh, obviously normally in the cow shade, but having t- sitting in the stand for the game, kind of kind of behind Dougie, uh, you get a you get a different view of the game from the stand than, than you do from where I am in the cow shade. Apart from anything, which is it's just kind of interesting the kind of overview you get the game. But what was what I thought was interesting was the things that we were getting frustrated about, or the things that Dougie was getting frustrated about. For example, certain times when Jai's doing really well and be- beating a man and then beating a second man and you're just like, right, now, now's your time to release the ball and he's taking that extra touch or somebody's made a slack pass or somebody's done whatever and Doogie's on them. There's nothing complex about Doogie's instructions during the game. Um, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty direct stuff. But um, I, I'd agree. It, it was, it was very nervous in the first half, and there was a wee relief when, when Broadfoot got the goal. Um, kind of gave us be, be, because it was a very even game. Tell you what, if I was the, if I was the Edinburgh manager, I would have been absolutely fuming at that, um, at the Broadfoot goal. Aye. Because it's not. There wasn't a great deal of pace on the delivery. I think it was Crawford that, that put it's, it into the box. There's not a great deal on the delivery. It's. I do you know it's a bit of a nothing delivery into an area that a defender should that a, an attacker should absolutely not be winning the first header on. And Broadfoot didn't really have to do much to fashion the chance either. Yeah. Um, and when you thought how you think how much they'd frustrated us up until that point, I think I, I would have been absolutely tearing paint off the walls um, if I had conceded that. Because again, I think had Edinburgh held on that little bit longer because they were frustrating us. They were getting handling in the game. They were finding those little pockets of space in midfield. If they don't lose that that goal, then you don't know how far that takes them. And I think it's yeah, for all it, it ended up being a comfortable win. And second half, we we could have and probably should have again with that. If there was better decision making in the final third, I think we probably scored six, seven, eight goals. But there were still just there was enough about the game that I can I can absolutely understand why why Amri really wasn't happy in his post match with it at all. One thing, right, what I'm going to say, and this is, I've, I've, I've not even really seen the highlights of the Ross County game, right? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that just now. But, but what's interesting is that how on top we were, and Craig was saying about how we could easily have been 3 nothing up at half time, and George Oakley was up front in the first half of that game. So that, that that's suggesting that with a lineup that we had, with Oakley up front and um, Muirhead in behind, right, with would that be Boyd and was Katongo playing or was it McGrath? I can't remember. But but with with those four, they they had an impact in that game against that type of opposition. It was different on Saturday because we didn't seem to be getting getting any joy with with Oakley and Oakley just seemed really isolated on Saturday. And I don't know if that was by design for Edinburgh's point of view. And that changed when well, first of all, we had. King coming on, which gave us a different dynamic. But then we've changed three of the front four, um, and we were livelier. The, the, the interplay was a lot better. And all of a sudden, Crawford really came into the game, just as as, uh, as Louise was saying. Um, and we seemed a different team for that last 25 minutes. Could be down to the fact that they were tiring. They did make subs as well, but we seemed a different team from the one before. And I know Doogie likes his settled starting lineups, but I wonder if this is kind of pointing that at certain times were possibly horses for courses because... We've got quite a few players in those final positions in 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 the sort of positions up at the top of the park, um, and there's obviously got to be there's going to be people missing out every week. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think the positive to take there is that we do have that flexibility mm-hmm. though to Aye. to change yeah. a game, especially since 
you know, you're still you're still able to use the five subs. Um, you know, we we can just completely change the three behind a striker, and we can make that striker either Muirhead or Oakley, depending mm-hmm. on the context of the game. I think maybe when we come on to preview the season as a whole, that there is still that question of should we always be trying to accommodate Muirhead and Oakley in the starting mm-hmm. eleven together? And if we are doing that, where's the best place for Muirhead to be? Um, aye, because yeah, I think you've seen it in this group alone. There's been games where we've taken Oakley off and put Muirhead up front, and um, you know, like at Ross County, I don't think that was the that was the best move to make. Um, you know, I think we we were poorer for that. Mm-hmm. Whereas other games like Kelty, we we became became much more of a threat when Muirhead is a focal point. But aye, um, yes, for all that we have a small squad and we obviously need to add depth in defence and arguably in central midfield as well. We've, um, yeah, we do have a lot of depth. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see um, see a player from that area of the park moved on uh, before the window closes. Mm-hmm. But aye, there is, even if we do that, there's still a lot of depth there. We've got the options to to basically completely change the personnel in there in the space of a game and... Aye, that's actually quite an exciting prospect of just the the, the nature of, of wingers, for example. You, you know that they can fall in and out of games. <laughs> I mean, just look at Jai Tongo on Saturday, who was quiet for a lot of it. Then all it took was switching wings, and all of a sudden he's uh, leaving his full-back in his wake every, mm-hmm. every time he gets it. Although, a uh, tangential point there, if he would ever actually cut the ball back rather than shooting from an impossible angle, it would be nice. Um, Aye, and, and that's exactly what I'm going to be saying. And, yeah. and it, it wasn't a surprise that about two or three minutes after he's done it, done that for about the second time, second or third time, it's like turn around to subs, right boys, and the personnel gets changed. Yes. Um, but we've got competition for places in there. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we've, no seen, we've no seen that much of Bairn yet. And I think from the wee flashes that we've seen, he's 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 going to have an impact. I'm going to I'm going to put it out there that, uh, and I know this will get recorded and thrown back at me when he plays a grand total of James Wallace style one minute or something like that, right, for the rest of the season. But I I do think he's 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 going to have a positive impact on the team. Um, and Robbie Crawford adding goals to his game is Louise had mentioned as well uh, is a real positive. Um, I think he's going to be a really big player. He's just such a really nice player to, to watch playing football. Um, don't know you think, Louise? No, Robbie Crawford. Um, I think, yeah, he's going to be a massive player this season and he's so versatile. Like, he can play him behind the striker, he can play him in midfield. Mm-hmm. He's, he's gives you 100% each time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think the man ever stops running. No. Like, you know, when, when he's playing, you're going to get a shift. And the fact that he's adding goals and, I mean, his goal against Stranraer was... Absolutely, like top drawer. Right. It was it was brilliant. So the fact we got all that depth and like, we scored eleven goals in the the cup, and only one of the goals is from like a proper striker. You could maybe say Stephen Boyd's a striker as well, mm-hmm. but the rest of the goals are coming from other parts of the squad as well, which is good that it's kind of being shared about and other people are kind of chipping in. But it's it, Robbie Crawford is definitely going to be. Probably one of our most important players of the season, I think, if he keeps playing the way he's playing just now. Yeah, I, I think Crawford's been excellent as, as well. And aye, that again ties back to the how you accommodate in Muirhead and Oakley uh, conversation. Because if Muirhead is playing in behind Oakley rather than out wide, then it means your only option for Crawford is to play him deeper, really. And aye, um, aye I've got no qualms with, with that being sort of Emery's first option if, if that's what. He ends up doing. I'd, I'd imagine that is what we'll have on Saturday. We'll have Crawford playing deeper because Blues is suspended, of course. Of course, but, so um, it is. 
Aye, th- there is just that question of when we're playing championship opposition, are there going to be times where we need Robbie Crawford further forward because you can't understate what he brings to the team and his pressing when he's playing higher up the park as well. And yeah, that is a thing you lose when he's played deeper. There's, when we've got other hard-working and uh, defensively smart attacking players, but none of them uh, cover quite as much ground or are quite as intelligent with their pressing as Crawford is. And so, aye, that's a, yeah, that's a dilemma for Emery, but again, it's a dilemma that's very good to have and is indicative of, oh yeah, we've actually got some real attacking depth this season, which, aye, when you look at where the squad was 12 months ago, is, aye, it's a very encouraging sign. Well, I couldn't have designed that segue better myself. Let's have a little look at the recruitment over the summer and how we're going to impact the squad. Um, so yeah, obviously Ryan Mullen coming in and goal in, in place of Schwaki. What do you make of that one, Louise? What do you reckon? At first you kind of look and you go, right, he's come from Clyde, he's not really played many games. Is he going to come in and be the number one? I suppose the first sort of couple of friendlies, I was at Alwa and Annan and he was a bit shaky, but he, he kind of done well. But I, I just feel for the last kind of four games that, that he's played I, I think he's been absolutely brilliant I mean that St Mirren game with the saves all the kind of cup games uh, I, I don't have a bad word to say about him I, I think he's really done well I, I think the only thing that concerns me slightly he kind of comes out his box a bit much so obviously he got booked on Saturday for kind of coming out the box handling outside the box same thing happened to Annan he came outside his box. Obviously, it was a friendly, so nothing, nothing came of it. So that that's the only thing that really concerns me. But if, if he is going to be our number one for the rest of the season, from what I've kind of seen so far, I, I'd be quite happy. And I, I think it could turn out to be a really, really good signing by Dougie. What do you reckon, Craig? Aye, I've been very impressed with him. Obviously, it's a gamble. Uh, he's played so little football uh, before coming here. But again, it's a gamble that I'm always happy to see his take, really. Like, yeah, look, at some point you can you can gamble on a goalkeeper and they might blow up in your face and uh, that's the sort of thing that can relegate a club. But ultimately, it's taking gambles like this on a youngish goalkeeper who's not played much football that gets you a player with a higher ceiling. You know, we, we could have gone chasing after sort of a middle-of-the-road average championship goalkeeper who's already in their mid to late 20s and, yeah, we'd know we'd get competence, but they're not going to be the type of goalkeeper who wins you that many points whereas yeah the early indications are that Mullen absolutely is and I yeah I would uh, I would agree with Louise like I'm very impressed with him with the, with the ball at his feet as well and I think I his distribution could be very useful for us like there was one in the county game where I ball at his feet just carries it a few yards out the box and I can't remember who it was he played the pass to but he did you know, like clip it directly to somebody's feet about 20 yards inside Kelty's half and that's just a level of accuracy you don't really expect from a from a goalkeeper and when quite often sort of our build-up play will consist of full-backs or centre-backs trying to hit a winger's feet like that it's very useful when you have a goalkeeper who's comfortable enough for the distribution to to contribute to that as well in terms of in terms of distribution I would say, from what I've seen so far, he's an upgrade in that sense on Schwacke. Um, he just just with a ball at his feet. Um, his handling seems seems good. Um, kind of positionally seems good. I suppose uh, as Louise has kind of pointed to, there's there, there is a very slight question mark on decision making because that one he got booked for on Saturday it was flying out the park. <laughs> he just needed to let it go. Um, but but 
it, other than that, he's, 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 he's a, it looks like a more than competent number one goalkeeper. Um, as is the we will, we will press the play button in the record we've had for the last five years or so. Um, a slightly competent backup would probably be good though to just 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 to have there. Um, I think how yeah, given how prone he is to rushing out and getting those kind of rushes of blood to the head, I think absolutely shows us why we need someone on the bench <laughs> because mm-hmm. and I I I'm not for a second I do not want us spending two two wages on the goalkeeper position. I think for championship clubs, you just can't. I think it's it's an it, it would be the worst waste of resources to have two kind of first choice goalkeepers. But especially with no think, reserve league and no nothing uh-huh. above what, yeah. whatever. Aye, um, um, but we need someone in place who can at the very least come in and get us through the rest of our ninety minutes if he does get sent off. Obviously, the, yeah, the injury one we've just got to kind of roll with. But yeah, given how aggressive he is and coming out his box, aye, let's make sure that we've got someone on the bench that can step in when we need them to. So, tell you what, next one we've got, obviously, veteran defender, former Scotland international, Kurt Broadfoot. What do you make of that one, Craig? Uh, aye, it's really just a, it's almost a like for like for the Ambrose, isn't it? You, yeah, you've got your, you'd assume once we've completed our defensive recruitment, he's not here to be a first choice player. But aye, he's, he's your experienced centre-back option. And I would, uh, I would clarify, and I think probably the fact that O'Connor was the one who has moved out to right back, Emily agrees. Regardless of how often he's played at fullback in his career, Broadfoot is absolutely here as a centre back at this point. <laughs> at 38 years old, he is, we are not getting away with him at right back. But aye, aye it's very much like, yeah. aye, it's very much like for like with Ambrose. Experienced, dependable option who can step in when he's needed, who can help out younger players. Aye, I think it's perfectly fine. And I know there is the point people have been making about. Well, he's that age, he's had a season in the Lowland League, is he really still up to the championship? And I look, I get that, especially when you're that far into your 30s, players can go off a cliff very quickly, and a season playing at a lower level can be a thing players just don't come back from. But I would say as well, it was only, it was only two seasons ago Broadfoot was playing every week in the Cali Thistle team that made it all the way to the playoff final, and he had a very good season, whereas... In that same season, Ambrose was a bit of a joke figure at Dunfermline who made a not inconsiderable contribution to them being relegated that same season. So, and yeah, and then Effie comes in to Morton and does a very good job for us. So, aye, I've, I've got absolutely no qualms with, with Broadfoot, um, aye, potentially being an upgrade in that role. Broadfoot's pedigree, right, for starters. Uh, Emery clearly wanted him in for his leadership qualities in a changing room as well. He was he was, he was wanting a leader in the squad. Um, that's that's not to take away for Jack Baird or Grant Gillespie. That's he, he was wanting another experienced head. His fitness can be taken into a question as he's kind of commented like his his whole time he's been a other people have commented how much he's been a kind of fitness fanatic through his whole career. Uh, he's not had many injuries. As Dunning said there as well, two seasons ago he was probably one of the standout centre-backs in the league. He's made a, an, an error, which he's held his hands up to, in going to open goal Broomhill, thinking that it was going to be something that it wasn't. Uh, he's clearly realised that he's that he's got plenty left to give. Imre knows that he's got plenty left to give. And I'm actually... I, I know what Dunning said, that he's, he's, he's bought as a backup. I think the way that things have gone, it, it'll be interesting to see who we bring in uh, as the right-sided defensive other option um, because when Baird's back in two months or whatever 
Uh, it'd be interesting to see who how 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 things have shaped up because all right, it was we we were playing the four defenders that we have, but um, it, it kind looked okay there. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting, and I think he he is definitely an upgrade in Ambrose, um, and he's definitely a defensive upgrade. You could say on the other utility one they've got in there that, that we had in Pignatello. Um, Although what's interesting is when we're thinking about what we need in, it's effectively an upgrade on Carlo Pagnatello that we need in. Like a, a right-sided defender who can play full-back, centre-back and possibly cover in midfield as well. But um, I, I've been really impressed by Broadfoot and I think what's also impressive is when you're looking at him on the park and how every goal that's celebrated, he's the first one there. Um, right in amongst them, you can tell the impact that he's having on the group already, which is, which is positive. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we've we've chosen to make Callum Waters' deal permanent. What were your thoughts on that one, Craig? Uh, yeah, no surprise. I think it was clear that Emery wanted to you know, wanted to add Waters. Um, I I think uh, yeah, it was it was always likely to happen. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been surprised if it had actually been agreed before the end of last season. And uh, it was just a case of waiting for his release from Kilmarnock to be confirmed. But I look, I think um, we're, we're speaking about the left back position um, and the fact that Lewis Strap uh, still remains without a club. Yeah, there's always going to be a lot of Morton fans who cast their eyes that way. And um, yes, question whether Callum Waters is actually an upgrade on Lewis Strap. But I, I think we're going to have to just one way or the other accept that's water under the bridge that for whatever reason, um, you know, Strap's not going to be at the club while while Emery is, and I yeah look I think you, you know exactly what you get with Waters. He's uh yeah you're not going to get sort of Grimshaw level spectacular performances out of him, but he's going to be solid and dependable, and I that's that's absolutely fine. Six point five yeah, seven absolutely. out of ten every week. Yeah, exactly. Which is fine. So tell you what, well then not not added anyone kind of central midfield options, but we're then looking at Garrett. He's been bought back on loan. What do you think Emery's kind of plans for him all this season, Louise? I think Garrity, he's, he's kind of came on. He's, he's played his part in the, the cup games. He, he put in a really good cross for Cammy Blues on Saturday. I don't know. I've, I just think, obviously, with McGratton, Bairn, you've got Boyd, Kutongo, Muirhead, potentially if someone else comes in. I just don't really see a place for him in the squad. If he's quite happy to kind of sit on the bench, then then that's fine. We've, we've got another option there. But I think for for his um, sort of potential in his career, I think he's maybe best to go out on loan to a, a League One team, possibly a team like Edinburgh City, for example, just to see how he gets on in that sort of environment. I think he's been on loan at League Two a couple of times, so if he could maybe take a wee step up to League One and see how he gets on. I think he could be a key player um, in the next maybe year or two, but I think just now is just maybe a wee bit too early for him, to be honest. I, I see the see if you're watching him in the last couple of, the couple of games, the Strandner game and on Saturday. I think the, the vibe I get from him is that he's somebody who is just desperate to have an impact and desperate to do something, and he probably does realise that these three, these four games or whatever, he has to do something. He's he is behind Katongo and. McGratton and Bern in the pecking order and you can see there was a chance that he had when the goalkeepers made a mistake against Strunra where you could see he snatched at it when he could have squared the ball and I think Bern would have had a tap in. He then hit the bar after that, had a really good effort. He had a couple of wee things that he'd done on Saturday but then was really pleased as you said because he's put the cross in. Um, it's just, again, he's another one that's come out of youth, our, our youth system and you're willing him to do well. 
because he's always kind of shown a wee bit of potential and he's, he's getting to that age where he needs to be playing. So maybe as Louise is saying, when we bring players in as a loan deal again for him or, or, or whatever. I don't know if you could see, Alan, obviously you were in the main stand the same as mm-hmm. me when Garrity was on. There was a couple of times Dougie was saying, like, ask for the ball. Because mm-hmm. like, I think Garrity, he did have a lot of space, mm-hmm. but he wasn't asking for the ball. So you could kind of see Dougie try to egg him mm-hmm. on a wee bit, try and get involved in the game. I don't know if you'd noticed that as well. but Aye, you, I mean, because I, I, he was in space. I, the amount of time yeah. that he'd held a space and the ball was over, and he's like, get it over, get it, aye. Um, but he just, and you can see him kind of looking at the bench and looking, and he's clearly just, de- he's desperate to do well. Um, and mm-hmm. he's, I, I don't know whether he's, whatever, but um, aye, that's an interesting one. But un- unfortunately, the way things are just now, he is probably third in line for a wide position. Aye, I think ultimately, when you look at, you look at the options we've got out wide, it's just very hard to see him getting game time. I think I've, I think he's been decent in in all his sub appearances uh, in the league cup, and also I would say you know he's still only twenty one, and I a lot of people might be inclined to write him off on the basis that oh, well he's gone to Dumbarton, he's been at a league two team and struggled for game time, but look, sometimes players just don't fit at a club, and I think that's maybe maybe what the issue was with him at Dumbarton because. He was at an Annan team that made the top four in League Two the season before that and played every week and was a very important player for them. So I, I definitely wouldn't write off the prospect of Garrity going on to be a good uh, a good championship player at some point in the future. But I, the fact is that right now, he's probably sixth in the pecking order. You factor in Katongo, Byrne, Boyd, McGratton, and Emery showing a willingness to play Muirhead out wide as well. I'd say... All five of them are going to get game time before before Garrett is. So, aye, he, he may well still get chances off the bench come the start of the league season. But even though I absolutely wouldn't be writing him off as a player who could ever be good enough for this level, it does just seem logical that if we are struggling for numbers further, further back in the park, we don't need that many attacking players. And he probably is the logical one to, to move on if we are going to move one on. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think if we are if we are struggling for bodies and if we're struggling for finance, then that's the obvious candidate to be to be moved on, whether it's on loan or, or permanently. Um nothing against Garrity, I think there is a player in there. But yeah, I don't think once once our squad's complete, once our business is complete by the end of the window, then I I really don't see him being part of the squad. Um whether it is, whether it's a loan and we get him back in January and see where see where he stands or whether he's away permanently. Yeah, I think that obviously remains to be seen. So Stephen Boyd's been brought in, player that's been one of those players that can kind of play anywhere behind a main striker. What have you made of him so far, Alan? Again, I've only seen him in a a couple of the games. I was really impressed with him against Stranraer. He was lively, he was mobile, probably looks as though he can play in a number of positions along the side that kind of in behind. Um, aye, he, he looks a, a good addition and a different type of player to what we've maybe had yeah, a different kind of option that we've had previously as well um, he kind of links up well links in midfield and kind of links well with the, the kind of wide players in the forward so I think he's a really good addition and again he's another one who Dougie's played with and Dougie likes and he knows what he's getting from him and the good positive thing about that is that these are people who are coming in and are confident and they know people in the squad and it's it's he's somebody who seems to have kind of just effortlessly kind of been added to the squad, you know. So I'm more than happy with that, uh, with, with, with him being signed. 
What do you reckon, Craig? Aye, um, early impressions uh, are, yeah, you can see that aye, he's what you might call an Emory player. You see he's going to work very hard. Uh, I think he's he's been very good at showing for the ball. I think early days, I've not been that impressed with him in possession when he's been out wide. I think that that was a thing you definitely saw in the Kelty game where, to be honest, the ball just wasn't really sticking for him at all when he was out on the wing. But then he moved he moved centrally and all of a sudden he was just <laughs> he was just pigging passes everywhere. And I, yeah, I saw an immediate improvement. But aye, look, it's very early days. I'm absolutely not writing him off as a winger at all yet. But aye, um, I mean, that, that is an element just while we're discussing these attacking players that, as we said, the competition for places is so fierce. So... Players are going to have to really keep their, you know, keep their performance levels up to to maintain their place because there is a queue right behind them looking for a place in the team. And yeah, the same applies with, with people coming off the bench. But I, I would say, uh, yeah, right now I would absolutely expect Boyd to be in the starting eleven uh, come come the start of the league season. Whether that is so out on the left where he's been starting games, we'll see. But again, that's the good thing of if if we are going with sort of Boyd, Muirhead, Katongo in behind Oakley. Well, you can swap all three of them about. You know, Katongo can be on either wing. Boyd can be anywhere in behind the striker, or he can he can even be the striker himself. Well, your head can play in all four of those positions. So, I I think he's going to be a useful option for us. Yeah, I think as well. It it probably points to another signing where Emery really likes versatile players. I think we've saw that obviously the way that obviously Grimshaw's been brought in. You look at players that we've signed all through. You look at Robbie Crawford again can play. Anywhere in the kind of three, anywhere in the three slots in our midfield, and excel in all three of them. Um, yeah, I think it's it's another case of of Emery bringing in versatile players, and I think we've seen that Emery likes to run with a, a small squad. And I think over the course of the season, yeah, you're going to see guys like Boyd playing three, probably three or four different positions. And yeah, if Emery's if Emery can get a tune out of them, then absolutely fine with that. I think there is that. I'd, I've been impressed with his work rate, his endeavour. Again, it's a midfielder who's always looking to get on the ball. Yeah, I think from what I've seen so far, he's he's better at influencing play in kind of central areas and those kind of half spaces rather than being a traditional winger. But again, when you look at, could that then be used to balance Kutongo, who's a very, very wide player on the right-hand side? If you can use someone like Boyd on the left who's going to invert and try and find that that little gap of space between a maybe a centre-back and a full-back, then I think we could see some some benefit from it. I've noticed as well, he, he kind of likes to take a shot from outside the box as well. I've noticed the last few games we've not really had anybody like that as well. So it gives us another option um, as well. And I think in his kind of career as a whole, I think he has actually played as a proper striker as well. So it does give another option if Muirhead or Oakley were injured or out the team, for example. It's it's good to have someone else that could maybe step in as well. It's another guy in his mid-twenties as well. We've kind of spoken before about, you know, the, the different kind of the age dynamic of squads and quite often it's, you know, you know having these players that are, you know, you're, you're 23 to 30 and we've got, we've, we've, we've got a significant number of them now, which just in terms of, you know, long seasons and small squads and kind of things like that, it's, 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 it's a not insignificant thing, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we can get players at that sort of age range where, again, it will be players who I think Emery will want the sort of player who at that age is then going, right, I drop down to Morton, I have a season or two playing well in the Championship and then where's my next move? I think we saw that where obviously Grimshaw is the most recent example, but I think that sort of ambition to get to the top flight either with Morton or 
in a personal sense is probably something that a manager looks for at this level rather than players that kind of know their level and players that are maybe just happy kind of plodding along at championship clubs. I think players that Emery will bring in, he, I think he'll look for that drive and that enthusiasm out of them to, to better themselves and get themselves up a level. And when you look at, I know I keep going back to Grimshaw, but when you look at the success that we had from Grimshaw, he's then, albeit he's not stepped up into the Premiership, but I think it's fair to say Dundee United are a bigger club than ourselves. If we can get more success stories than that, it then makes the pitch to future players far more inviting. And I think it's obviously a kind of wider point anyway that the improvements we've made behind the scenes as a club, we're a far more attractive prospect now than we were probably ever previously in my lifetime. But you're then looking, if a manager's echoing that in the pitch that he's given to players, then I think ultimately that's when you do end up recruiting good players and getting good results on the park. Yeah, and on that, that's actually saw Burns actually being in the tilly uh, today, saying <laughs> saying something very similar about you know he's wanted to go and to go to a club where he can play first team football, and working for a manager like Emery is a big reason that that Morton or the club he's chosen to do it at that I he sees it as a place where he can where he can go and play and and not just think about oh I'll enjoy my football and then hopefully I'll get a move to a higher level. It's I'm going to a place where there's a real a real push from from the manager and expectation to win games, and aye, that's maybe an atmosphere that's not always been around at Morton, but certainly is now. Yeah, so one thing that I had wanted to mention, obviously we we didn't really use loans much last season. Obviously we had we had Crawford and Schwacky, and I don't think it was something. I don't think we would ever say that loans were central to our recruitment strategy last year. I think we obviously we we tried to get to get Ali Crawford in to to get a to take a, a kind of good team into being a, a very good team, it obviously didn't work out. And obviously we had, we had Caviar in, again, just a player who maybe suffered from the expectations. A player who probably suffered from us exceeding our season expectations, if that makes sense. But do you see you do you do see lone players having a, a bigger part in the, the squad assembly this year? I would say so. Uh, and as I kind of said to off air, uh, we're in the 31st of July just now. We've got, we've, we've got a transfer window, but as we know, it's not just the transfer window that we look at. There's, there's obviously, there's the loan market. There's also the, the unattached. That's how we managed, to, that's basically how we managed to get Grimshaw last year. Um, it's also, am I right in thinking that's how we get Robbie Crawford as well? So you've got players who realise that this is the case and are more than prepared to to maybe just just wait out if you, and, and they know that that's the option as well. We've got this potential wee financial boost because of this cup draw that we've just had as well. I think what that maybe points to is a, maybe an increase in possibly a slightly better calibre of low knee that we are maybe going to be able to to think about as well. Um, so it's... Oh, Obviously, prior to the draw, we were kind of thinking, right, kind of financially, where are we? Yes, we're through and all the rest of it. But that's something to kind of take into account as well. Loan signings are always big for championship teams, I think. Um, just as I was saying, just, just looking at the nearest Topoka blog uh, guy, um, in every single team uh, has had loans last season. And I'm kind of looking at them and they've all been... They've all been significant loans that they've had, and then they've either lost or they've or they've signed them or whatever. Um, and I think that's clearly going to be the case because absolutely every team in this division, if I'm kind of looking at it at the moment, have had more players going out 
than they've brought in. And that's the case with everybody apart from possibly Wraith Rovers. Right? Everybody has lost. I've brought in five players maybe and they've had seven or eight or nine out the door. So I think loan signings are going to be massive. They're going to be massive for other teams as well. We just don't know what our squad is going to look like and what other team squads are going to look like uh, as well. So yeah, they're going to be big for us. Yeah, I would say loans are definitely important. You obviously look at Callum Waters. We had him on loan. He's now been signed on a permanent contract because we kind of know what he's about now. And previous loans we've had, you look at the likes of like Greg Kilty, Robbie McCrory. They were like really good kind of loan signings. Declan McManus, they've really kind of pushed Morton on um, to be a better team. So I think they will definitely play a big part. But um, obviously Dougie probably knows himself who he wants and um, now he's got a kind of bigger budget we might need to sit tight and wait for the sort of bigger kind of loans coming in or better calibre players but they will definitely play a big part in our season and other team seasons as well Aye and I think as well with the obvious signing to come being a right back and aye okay what we might end up doing is adding another centre back and going with O'Connor as first choice right back it's worth noting that even if there are sort of uh, unattached players still available who we don't know about uh, who might be targets for championship clubs, then you've got, realistically, Queen's Park are still looking for a right-back. Air may well want to add a right-back as well, so we're going to have a lot of competition here. And so, I look, if it ends up being a loan signing, fine. Um, and again, that's the, you know, some people maybe turn their noses up at loan signings a bit, but... <laughs> You know, the, the likelihood is that we're probably going to, even if it is a permanent signing, it's going to be a one-year deal anyway. So, aye, I'm absolutely fine with just, yeah, whatever brings a quality player in, whether that's a loanee or permanent signing, aye, whatever. Uh, one thing that I would um, I would wonder, though, is, maybe it's not relevant, but and we don't know this, but uh, just the fact we've we've signed Jack Byrne, so, you know, adding a player from an English club, you you have known sort of the the financial situation the club was in last summer that really English loan signings weren't on the table just because generally if a player's coming up on loan from an English club to Scotland the club's going to be putting them up in digs there's an extra cost with that that's what we'd done with sort of Ocean McIntyre and Tom Allen the season before and obviously Burns a permanent signing so maybe that's that's not on the agenda uh, but. Yeah, I wonder if that's just the fact we are signing a player like that as an indication that maybe there's just that wee bit more room to do something like that again and it opens up a loan market that just wasn't available to us last season. And I okay, there's still no guarantee you get a good player out of that because, yes, you could get a player of the calibre of Ocean McEntee, but you could get one of the, player of the, the calibre of Tom Allen. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily going to be a silver bullet, but... I just with that competition for for defensive signings still out there in the championship. If we're purely if we're purely relying on finding someone good from a top flight Scottish club, there's yeah, it's maybe a bit of slim pickings there. I think as well, you're you're right in saying that that there is no there is absolutely no guarantee with loan signings, especially loan signings who haven't had a lot of senior football. I think some players handle the the jump from under twenty s English football into the into the Scottish Championship well. You look at guys like McIntyre, who was outstanding at centre-back, was utilised at full-back. I think he was utilised in holding midfield at some point. Um, done all those things very well. And again, aye, you end up with Tom Allen. But I think out with right-back, I think right-back, given especially how crucial full-backs are in this shape, in this system, I, th- I think a known quantity is probably what we need for full-back. But you look at, out with that, 
we are in a position where we've got a good nucleus of a squad. We've got reliable players all over the pitch. We're actually in a pretty healthy position to be able to take a chance on loan signings, whether they're from down south or elsewhere, because we're not needing players out with that kind of right-back position. If we're looking to supplement the squad, we're not in a position of desperation. We're recruiting from a position of strength where we don't need guys to come in and hit the ground running in the way that we maybe did with McIntyre and players like that. We are, we've got enough strength and depth where if we bring in, say, a central midfielder to be kind of third, fourth choice, if they're struggling to adapt, we've got enough round about them where we can take them out of the team and put them back in when it suits us, which I think puts us in a very strong position. Something that I'm quite curious of is obviously I remember hearing from kind of people in the industry that we'd, all, we'd essentially been blacklisted from having old firm players on loan, given it was kind of under the Hopkins era, the way that Welsh was treated. I know that um, Josh McPate really didn't enjoy his time at Morton. I wonder if enough, what if there's been enough development at the club that we could maybe be opening that avenue again? Um, I don't know what the kind of physio situation is. I know that kind of player care is something that the old firm clubs are are really kind of stringent with. If we've got a full time physio, when you look, we're now feeding the players. We're not training it. We're not training on the Capolo pitch. You know, we've got a new up to date gym in place. We've got kind of better recovery facilities, better recovery techniques. I wonder where that stands as well, because I think that would a big step forward for the club in terms of healing the professional reputation that, that kind of handled us previously. I know, fun thing, obviously, and this, this, this takes us slightly down there, staring at the rabbit hole of uh, B-teams, um, getting loan players from Celtic Rangers and now Hearts and whoever else and the interesting thing is I'm saying when I'm just looking at players going out having ended loans it's what's quite telling in all clubs is that none come from Hearts Rangers Celtic because they're all getting used um, and any players going out from Hearts Celtic or Rangers in many cases, are slightly higher up the food chain on loan. Where you've got your Liam Scales. I know your. I know what his name is. Edwin Fenling guy, but I think did they sign him? Lewis Mayo. Did they sign him permanently? I'm not sure. Uh, um, I Mayo signed for Kelly permanently. And I, I sorry, but, I, and, and, um, who's the other one? Was it Breen? Breen was a Breen was another one. I think wasn't it? Uh, I uh, last season they had uh, Dunfermline had that was uh, Kane Mitchell Hosler from Rangers, and I they've signed aye, him permanently. I they've signed him permanently. So that's. Hmm. Aye, so that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. And as you're saying, it'll be interesting to see how we're now perceived um, uh, two or three years down the line from from our previous uh, previous experiences with them. Um, but aye, interesting times. So I tell you what, we've obviously we've, we've had a look at the, the squads in the Championship. Is there anyone that's kind of sticking out for, for good or for bad reasons, Craig? Uh, well, um, I would just say, okay, Airdrie have had an excellent League Cup campaign. Lots of teams have a uh, league season following on from the League Cup campaign that uh, does not go the way uh, it suggested. And well, I wouldn't be quite writing Airdrie off yet. I would say I don't think they've particularly strengthened. So and you can make the same criticism of Dunfermline that uh, it's largely the same squad. But Dunfermline absolutely cantered League One and uh, finished 21 points ahead of Airdrie. Whereas yeah, it's far more justifiable for Dunfermline yeah, to say no. Whereas, it, happy it, with yeah, whereas Airdrie have basically kept their solid upper mid table League One squad. Added Nikolai Todorov to it, who I think, yeah, is a, yeah, if you use him correctly, can be a very effective uh, 
championship player. But aye, then their other signings are just young loanees from Hibs and St Mirren. And aye, look, I've got no doubt that some of uh, Airdrie's existing players, guys like Callum Gallagher, Adam Frizzle, may well handle the step up for the championship. But the likelihood is that more of them won't. And I, of course, there's a caveat that we're recording this in July. They've still got a month to add more permanent signings. They, they'll still have September to add loan signings as well. But I, I think they're the, they're the side in the most obvious need of more strengthening. And I would add as well, Arbroath, there's a lot of gambles in those signings. DDB, and, isn't, there, isn't there just? Yeah. And when you look at how well the the gamble approach went for uh, went for Dick Campbell's recruitment last summer, yeah, I really don't know. Um, and and it, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Arbroath end up a comfortable fifth or sixth, but I think they have all the ingredients there to for this season to quickly turn into a disaster for them. If t- I'm just looking at them, but Leighton McIntosh, well, we saw him last year. Um, Jermaine Hilton, I know obviously he's got previous at Ross County and Motherwell, I think, isn't he? He's signed from Russell Olympic. I've n- never heard of them before. I've no idea what level they play at. Uh, um, they were in the Southern League Premier, so the se- the seventh tier of English football. Okay. And yeah, um, and, f- and for the record, I was actually looking that up earlier today. I don't I don't just know what level Russell Olympic play at. <laughs> Yeah, you do. <laughs> but again, other ones they've signed is it Dunwall Turan from Straylan. Guys, a couple of junior ones as well that they've signed in, which can go either way. I know they tried that last year with the the boy they signed. So, I their squad kind of looks at they've had quite a, a turnover. They've still got their back four in place, as far as I can see. Um, Ayers one, you're kind of looking at, oh, obviously they've lost Akinyemi. Houston, full-backs, gone to Queen of the South. That suggests that somebody that they've brought in there is maybe seen as an upgrade. I think it was Stanger um, from Aloha, played and scored on Saturday, I think. They've lost quite, quite a wee bit there. That's quite a turnover there, squad. Akinyemi, Maguire, Mitchell Lawson, uh, their Dara corner is out of Glenturn. Um, aye, they're another one, and you've got it. Kind of see end of day, right? For how badly they started, you're still kind of looking at Dundee United and probably thinking they they should they should probably have enough should, but um, they are in a shambles of a club though. Um, so you just never know. I think that's I it. Think, um, obviously, I, I think uh, I think Dundee United will improve, but obviously Partick they've lost like Tiffany and Doherty, Holt. They've lost a couple of key players, mm-hmm. so are they going to be as good next season? I don't know. They've made a couple of decent signings, likes Inverness. I, I don't really. They've not really signed anybody of any great knowledge that I know of. So again, I, I would kind of expect Morton to be kind of much the same as next season, if not kind of push on a wee bit. Um, I've been seeing obviously a lot of predictions on Twitter with mostly Airdrie fans thinking Morton are going to finish like ninth to tenth and. I don't know what, as I say, you probably need to wait until this first few games to see how the, the season's going to pan yeah. out. But, um, Reece, yeah, I think. Reese, the one who seemed to have uh, upgraded, although uh, we, we, we caveat that with, uh, Dinf- with us having confidently said the same about Dunfermline two years ago, but there's the one thing with Wraith that they don't have Peter Grant managing them. So, <laughs> um, obviously, you'd, you'd, you'd imagine they do. I mean, 
kind of through the spine of their team. You're looking at the amount of, I mean, they've got Dabrowski, the, the, the Hibs goalkeeper, who was highly yeah. rated. They've got the boys at Dylan Core, I think he's, he's a centre-half, I think they got in for Celtic. Yeah. Um, they've got Jack Hamilton up top, who's done it at this level. Josh Mullen goes in the same bracket. Ewan Murray, is, Ewan Murray's a solid championship centre-half. Calm Smith did really well at Airdrie last year. Keith Watson's, again, another experienced centre-half at this level. They've signed well. Um, what can possibly go wrong, is what we'll say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you can broadly probably split the league into three groups. Uh, so, uh, first group is Dundee United by themselves, where even if Dundee United are mediocre relative to their expectations, they're surely never going to be bad enough to not, to not make the top four. Then... I'd say you've got a group at the bottom, which is Adrian and Arbroath, for the reasons we discussed about their recruitment or lack of, where it's not going to be a surprise, particularly if either of them end up 7th or 8th, but if they end up in the top four, then it's a big shock. Then you've got the other seven teams who I think are basically impossible to predict. You know, if people are guessing league tables, they can have those seven teams in any order from 2nd to 8th, and I think it's a completely fair enough prediction, to be honest. And I, um, I, when it comes to you know the likes of Adrian Arbro fans predicting tables that ha- have themselves outside the bottom two, quite often Morton are the team out of that group of seven who are being shoved in ninth or tenth. And you know what? I completely see why people from the outside look at Morton and think that small budget, yeah. small squad, very little depth. But I think the thing that we really have going for us relative to some other teams is continuity. When you look at where we were last summer. Uh, the turnover of squad we had where we didn't have what became our strongest 11 anywhere near in place by the time the league season actually started. We took only eight points from those first eight games. Now we've kept the core of the squad together. Uh, if you ask me, we've only lost two of our strongest 11 from the last season. I know you could you, you could argue the case of whether that's actually seven and eight. Um, but I, yeah, I think that continuity sets us up very nicely because... If we just have a bit of a better first quarter, say we take you know, 13 or 14 points over those first nine games, that's already set us up very nicely to match last season's points total. And aye, that was already a very high points total for finishing fifth place. It would usually get you in the top four. So aye, I can see that it's very easy to see how our season might end up getting derailed. You know, If we have sort of the scale of injury crisis that Inverness had last season, that simply can't be sustained with our size of squad. And yes, we would inevitably end up not just in a relegation battle but losing it in that scenario but I I think we've got plenty to be positive about all right guys I think we will leave it there for that so yeah excellent look back at the the league cup and a preview of the championship season so Louise thank you very much for joining us no problem thanks for having me Alan pleasure as ever thank you again and yes pleasure as ever brilliant and Craig are you sure I couldn't twist your arm into editing this one uh, I'm absolutely positive. I've, I've had enough. I had enough fun editing that quiz semi-final with your internet being all over the place, and I managed to edit it to just make you both look like a fool. Because as far as the listeners are concerned, your internet is fine. <laughs> yes, don't know if it was the editing that made you both look like a fool, but yes. Um, on that note, shameless plug: if you've not listened to the quiz yet, um, quarterfinals were there, semi-finals are there, and then it's my. I'm donating my body and my dignity to give Coyle an easy gold medal for this one so so yes make sure you give that a look by the time this is released 
our new sponsors at Morton Retro will have revealed their second kit design and it's an absolute cracker. So make sure you give them a quick check on Twitter or their website. Get that one ordered. It makes a big, big difference to them and to us. So make sure you give them their support. And I we'll be back after the air game. Thank you everyone for listening. Well, that's the show folks. Remember to check out themortonforum.com for the latest Morton news, discussion and articles featuring the excellent match photography of GBR photographs. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and we'd love to hear your feedback or questions on any of our social platforms at the Morton Forum. <laughs>